expounding on it. I just kind of want to start here because there have been moments in my life where this verse became very uh, real to me. And so I want, for just a moment, I, I want to use this verse, this, this passage of Scripture, I want to use it so that you can, can get yourself in that chapter where you can say, I've been there, I understand that. It goes like this, truly God is good to Israel, even to such that are as of a clean heart. He just acknowledges that God is good and that everything is there. But then you get that, that but, that I know God is good to Israel, but let's look at me. Watch what he says. But as for me, my feet were almost gone, my steps had well nigh slipped. I was envious of the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. There's no bands in their death. Their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Pride compasseth them about as a chain, and violence covered them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than their heart could wish. They're corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heaven, and their tongue walketh through the earth. And therefore his people return hither, and the waters of a full cup are wrung out of them. And they say, How does God know, and is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. And so verily I've cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. I've been plagued all the day long. I've been plagued and chastened every morning. And if I say I will speak thus, then I will offend against the generation of thy children. And when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Let me give you Buford's translation of that. God is good. God loves everybody. But when it comes to me, I don't understand. I look at everybody else in the world and they don't have any problems. They're so... Uh, fat and sassy they, they have all they want to eat That their eyes stand out They're so full That's what that Bible verse means They're so fat and sassy Their eyes are bulging out of their head Because they've never missed a meal And here I go hungry And, and I've tried all of this Why well, don't understand God Why are they blessed and I'm not Why do they go through life And have no issues and I do And, and it's hard for me I, I don't want to talk about it Because I feel like I'm, I'm kind of Complaining against God And I, I am And So maybe I've done all of this in vain. Maybe I've lived my life in vain. I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but I want you to think right now, have you ever felt that way? Maybe I've lived this life in vain. But then verse 17, something changes. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. I don't have time to go through it all. You could go do that. You you could read it. But what the psalmist said is sometimes I have, when I'm at home and nothing's happening and there's no good worship going on, there's no sermon being preached, sometimes my mind gets the best of me. And sometimes I get to the place where I begin to question the things that God is doing. But when I get into the presence of God, everything falls into place. And I feel like today we're in the presence of God where he can just reach down and the questions and the concerns that you have, God is able to just show you exactly how he's always in control and he has it all planned out. I wonder if we could lift our hands and our voice and why don't you pray that the word of God would speak to you right now. Father, would you let your presence, would you let your love, would you let your wisdom be imparted unto us right now. Let the word of God Speak, I pray. Let it be a lamp unto our feet. Let it be a light unto our path. And we will give you praise in Jesus' name. 
Amen and amen. You can be seated in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're here, Brother Farino. And um, I absolutely would have understood if you were not. But he, he came in and stopped by the office for a moment. And I'm so glad that, that he's here. Uh, actually, Brother Farino was scheduled to speak this morning. A couple weeks ago, after one of the sermons that I preached, uh, Brother Farino and I got to talking as we are prone to do. And, and I, I love talking to, to elders and, and, and hearing what the wisdom that they had. And, and in that conversation, I said, you know what? Why don't you preach for us? And he said, I would love to preach. And of course, the, 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 the circumstances as they are and the losing of Sister Farino this last week, uh, we, we decided we're going to postpone that and let him preach a, a different day. But what that meant was, just to be honest, is now I'm preaching. Now I'm going to figure out what, what, how we're all going to go. I was kind of looking forward to that. I was going to sit on the front row and, and hear another sermon. And so as I begin to pray, Lord, help us and, and guide me, um, I had some, some thoughts that were in, in mind. And then I, I got to the wake on, on uh, uh, Wednesday night. Brother Farino, before most people got there, Brother Farino handed me Sister Farino's Bible. Sister, I, I, I think they have some pictures of this, and if y'all could put it up, I'd appreciate it. You can just kind of scroll through some of it. This is Sister Darlene Farino's bedside Bible. It's a Bible that she's had since 1974, given to her by her husband at the General Conference. As you can tell, it's held together with packing tape. The leather is cracked and worn. You can tell that there have been uh, marks and stains on the cover when you look through it, you'll find the pages dog-eared where countless times they have thumbed through it and she has, has, has read. You'll find markings all throughout the Bible. Some, I understand, some probably only she will understand. There's places in this Bible that talk about, uh, it says that, that it has, has information on their marriage. It has information on births that happen throughout the years. When you begin to turn toward the back, it has uh, places where they have wrote down the deaths that have happened in their family. On the back of it, there are places where Sister Farino had wrote down uh, some dark times in their life. One of them says, in, two, in, in October 2005, Joe had cancer, basal cell carcinoma. In February the 7th, 2008, Sister Darlene had a car accident. Has things such as a stroke, surgeries that went on. And, and I, I began to think about this. Now those of you who are at the funeral, you heard a little bit of this because I, I used it in the funeral messages, but then I also had said that Today, I'm going to let Sister Darlene's words preach. Because at the very front of the Bible, I found a little post-it note. On that post-it note, there were nine kind of phrases that she wrote down. And I'm going to do my best to preach because from what I've been told, that this Psalms chapter 37 was her favorite verse in the Bible. 
this, this, this passage of Scripture. She would read it almost every night or quote it very often. In fact, there are many, uh, Brother Farino said and, and family members said at the funeral that they never knew a time where she was not going to read her Bible that day. And uh, I want to let the words <coughs> that are in there speak to us. And uh, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Psalms chapter 37. We're going to start in verse 37, Psalms 37 and verse 37. And then I want to preach from that post-it note right there. I, I, I was joking with Brother Farino a little bit because if you have heard Brother Farino speak, you know that he enjoys uh, pulling things out of the Word of God and especially giving you a list or building on it and I don't know, I, I kind of have a sneaky suspicion now that I have watched and read through Sister Farino's Bible that maybe Brother Farino has preached from her Bible a time or two that maybe it's really her that began to write those sermons and, 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 and that's how my wife is. I can just let her write all the sermons and I'm just going to get up here and preach them because uh, I, I found some great truth in that. But watch what, what Psalms 37 and verse 37 says. Mark the perfect man. Now, that doesn't mean you, just in case you're wondering, Brother uh, Mark. That, that's not you. I know you're, you've told that to your wife many times, but that's not what that verse means. It is not saying that Mark is the perfect man. The word Mark means to pay attention, to look at, to, to underline, if you will. Pay close attention to the perfect man, and behold the upright. For the end of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The end of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. And he shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Now I made this comment at the funeral and in the remarks I made in, in the sermon there. But I do believe that we need to give honor, and I want to do so. Not everyone was able to be uh, there at the funeral, but I took though that verse, and I modified it just a bit, not to change the Word of God, but I modified it a bit to fit the life of Mildred Darlene Farino, and this is what I said. Look at those who are honest and good. For a wonderful future of peace awaits them. Look at the life of Darlene Farino. Look closely how she lived. Because a wonderful future of peace awaits her now. The Lord was her strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord helped her and delivered her because she trusted in Him. And I am every time, and, and I, don't, I don't enjoy doing it, I'm not saying that I like doing it, but every time that I have, have laid to rest an elder saint that has lived their life for years and years, I am reminded that I can make it. That if those dark times in the back of her body, I have never in my life, I have seen Bibles, I've seen a lot of people put deaths and burials and, and put things like that, but I had never seen anybody in the back of their Bible write all the surgeries and accidents and medical emergencies that went through, but I'm convinced of this. What better place to record your problems than the Word of God? Not Facebook, not some journal where you get all depressed and you don't know what to do, not on the phone complaining, but just mark them down in the Word of God because I'm telling you, this Word contains every answer you're ever going to need. In the darkest times of your life, you can pick up a Bible 
and God's going to speak to that exact moment, that exact time, and I'm seeing it more and more the older I get. When I don't know what to do, I open the Bible and His Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. That post-it note caught my attention. See, I, I like lists. I don't write lists a whole lot because my brain doesn't work that way. I'm not a great organized person. If I want to be organized, I have to write a list. I'm, I'm this, this is how I, I operate, just so you can kind of get, I'm going to give you some personality of your pastor. When I get home, uh, I take everything out of my pockets and I put it on the closest uh, surface that I can find. It might be the table, it might be a chair, but everything in my pocket has to go on that surface. My phone, my, my glasses, my wallet, my pocket knife, uh, my pen, my, my little notepad that I carry. Because when I get up in the morning, I'm going to pick up whatever is on that surface. And I'm going to put it back in my pocket. If somebody moves something in the middle of the night, I will go a whole day without my wallet because it wasn't where I put it. I have to kind of visualize lists when it comes to it. And when I saw this list in her Bible, it just kind of made a lot of sense to me. I don't know if I have a, a title, but I kind of like to think these are some, some of, of the life lessons that Sister Darlene Farino would like to, to give to you. Can you go? That list is there. The first one says, fret not. Second, trust in the Lord. Delight, commit, rest, cease, depart, wait, and mark the steps. I've already talked a little bit about the mark the steps. That means when you find someone that's walked through the, the trials and walked through the ups and the downs and they've walked through the valley of the shadow of death and they've come through the times of struggle and they're still living for God, why don't you follow them? Paul said it this way, follow me as I follow Christ. And we would do good to follow those that are there. But David, the writer of this particular psalm, he had written a lot. You can read the, the psalm previous to that. He had talked about the wicked. Later on in Psalms chapter 39, he would pick up that, that understanding of the wicked. Because David, and, and some of it's his own fault, David is not a perfect man by any stretch of the imagination. David had good times and bad times, but what is interesting about the life of David is we get one of the clearest pictures of a, of a full life that you could ever see. You see David when he's on the mountaintop. You see David when he is walking with incredible faith. But you also see David at the time in which the, his flesh got the best of him and he sinned in such a great manner that he loses his own child because of his sin. But David had seen, and, and, and Psalms 37 as far as we can tell was written in his later years, in his mature Years And in it he begins to write about the age old problem of why does the righteous suffer while the wicked prospers. Why does everything happen to me and nothing ever happens to them. Some say that David wrote this psalm to his son right before his son took the throne to remind him. But I want to talk to you a little bit about it. There, there's three, three places, I, I may not be able to, to, to lay it out so perfectly in time, but, but in this psalm there's three things. The first one is you can know that you can trust the Lord. 
Another thing you're going to find out very quickly is that the Lord understands your situation. There is not something in your life that catches God off guard. Let me say that again. First off, you can trust the Lord. I know in life we have a lot, it's awful right now, the lack of trust that people have one to another. In fact, we were last night, um, my wife and I and family, we were over at some friend's house uh, that, that I grew up with and, 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 and they live over in, in Hazelwood area uh, and they, they go to Brother Williford's church. But we were over there and we were kind of spending some time with them, had a fish fry and right across the street from their house just a few days ago, in the middle of the night, someone knocked on the door of that house and when the people inside opened the door of their house, they barged in, tried to rob them and ended up shooting the owner of the house in the legs twice. I mean, I knew a time where, where you just leave the door open and they could just walk in because there was trust. We live in a place and a time that, that trust is just not there. But you can trust in the Lord. He's not going to let you down. He's not going to leave you hanging. You can trust in the Lord, and he knows about your situation. And the last thing is, he does want to touch your life. David, in these first little bit, he gives one negative instruction, then he gives a bunch of positive. The first one, he says, don't fret. And then he starts saying, but here's the positive things. Trust in the Lord, delight in the Lord, commit yourself to the Lord, and rest in the Lord. And so for the next few moments, I'm going to just take those and I'm going to I'm going to break them down for you. Fret. I I guess I had always thought that the word fret means to to worry and be anxious. I I kind of when when I have read the word fret in all of my life, I've just assumed it simply meant to worry. But the more that I begin to study, it says, fret not thyselves. Verse 1, uh, of, and, and for the next little bit, we're going to be in the book of Psalms, chapter 37. But verse 1, fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. And then if you go on a little further in verse 7, rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. To pass. Fret. It's more than just worry. Let me tell you what the, the root word of fret means. Fret means to worry because you are inherently angry. You are fuming. There is a rage inside of you. Maybe this is better to seethe in anger. Again, not asking you to raise your hand, but have you ever got to the place where somebody did something to you and it caused your anger to boil inside and because of that you worried and you were anxious and you didn't know what to do? You begin to burn, you begin to get heated up and, and it just began to consume you. Now, I'm a very, very patient man and I mean that. I, I, I'm probably the most patient man you're ever going to meet. I have an incredible uh, uh, length of mercy and grace. I refuse to see the bad in people, and, and I get burned that way sometimes, but I have that mercy. But every once in a while, something happens that will cause the inside of me to catch on fire. Now, there are other people that I will not mention in this church that you're not quite that way. You get to driving down the car and down the road, and somebody cuts you off, and you text me, and if I'm talking about you, you know who it is, but you'll text me and you'll tell me, I'm so mad, I want to just park my car on the head of that person and leave it for a couple hours. If that's you, I'm preaching to you right now. 
You ever got so mad you almost bent your steering wheel, pounding on it? You ever had a family member do you wrong and it caused you to be so angry that every time you closed your eyes, you could just see that and you fretted and you seethed on it? But I saw in the handwriting of a precious lady, she said, one of the greatest ways that you can live your life to the fullness is to fret not. Fret not. Don't worry about when someone does you wrong. Don't worry about trying to get even. Don't worry about trying to get revenge. Fret not. Can I tell you today that if you will learn to live your life with that, you will find that if you do right with God, God has a way of taking care of everything else. The Bible right there says that, that fret not uh, be, be of evildoers, be thou envious, be neither... Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. And it's, it, it's, it's like the grass, and you, you've seen it. You'll have a, a time where it rains real good, and the grass becomes green, and the grass grows, but pretty soon the rain stops, and the sun begins to beat down, and it withers. They may have a type of, of blessing right now, if you will. Maybe things in your life you look, as we read in Psalms chapter 73, Maybe you see them prospering, but can I tell you, God knows the end from the beginning, and you don't have to worry. Fret not. The second marking right there is cease from anger. Cease from anger. You know, Sister Farino, and I'm going to just be honest. If you know anything about her life and some of the things that she went through, many of you never really got to know Sister Frino because in the, in the later years of her life she wasn't able to climb the stairs, she wasn't able to come to church, her health had deteriorated in her back and, 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 and she, she didn't go hardly anywhere because of that. And if anybody had a right to be angry, I think she did circumstances goes. I've seen it time and time again. People who, who have a right to, if you will, a right to, to, to just get it all bottled up inside and explode. But she wrote down in her, in her Bible some lessons. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. I think it would be a good way for us to live our life. Cease from anger. And the way you can cease from anger comes so easily into that very next uh, one. Trust in the Lord. Here's what the Bible says, Psalms 37, 3, trust in the Lord and do good, so shall you dwell in the land, verily thou shalt be fed. Commit your way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass, verse 5, and then the very last verse of that says, and the Lord shall help them and deliver them and deliver them from the wicked and save them. Why? Because they trust in the Lord. If you want to know, Lord, how come I don't have joy? How come I don't have peace? It's probably because you don't have trust. Because a fretful heart, a worrying heart, isn't a trusting heart. And if you live your life worrying and consumed with anxiety, it's hard for you to have joy and peace. But the Bible tells us in Romans that that is exactly what the Lord wants to give you. Is He wants to give you joy and He wants to give you peace. I find, and I don't have time to go in it, but if you could look at the book of Ruth, 
you find that, that there was a, a horrendous mistake that was made at the very beginning of the book of Ruth. The Bible says that there in Bethlehem where Ruth was, she was an Israelite. Her family was, an Isra- was part of the Israelite. They, they were part of the children of God. And God had promised them, when I bring you into the promised land, I will be with you. I won't forsake you. I'm going to give you the, the desires of your heart. But there came a bad time in the book of Ruth. There came a time where the rain didn't fall like they thought it should and crops began to dry out. And the Bible says there was a famine in Bethlehem. But rather than them trust in the Lord, Ruth and her husband and their two sons, they packed everything up and they walked out of the promise that God had given them and they walked into another place and here it was, they found that it was a bad place. I preached about it. Malon died, Chilion died, Ruth's husband died. They died out of the promise because they could not trust in the Lord. But here, David is just trying to remind you, trust in the Lord. Some have said, in verse 3 it says, Trust in the Lord, do good, so shall you dwell in the land, and verily shall thy thy be fed. Some people have translated it that you're going to enjoy safe pastures. Another translation says you're going to feed on His faithfulness. Another one says that if you'll trust in the Lord, you will enjoy security. Here's what it is. If you will be faithful to God, God will be faithful to you. And I echo the words of David today. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Have I had ups and downs? Absolutely. Have I walked through some valleys? You better believe it. Have I had times where I could have left him and failed to trust him? Yes. But at the back of my mind, I've come to this conclusion. I would rather trust in the Lord than put my trust in anything else. But can I just take you a step further and you can see it right here. It's more than, to, than, than just to trust in the Lord. The, fourth one, or the, the third one that she wrote was delight. Now it's biblical because it's, it's found right here in verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Verse 11, the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. I found this a little funny, and, and, and the root word of that Hebrew word delight, it comes from, from a word that means to be brought up in luxury, to be pampered. One commentator said that this speaks of the abundance of the blessings that we have in the Lord, totally apart from what He gives us. Now let me quote from, from Warren Wearsby, because this statement, this statement made a lot of sense. You ought not just be thankful for the blessings that God gives you because here's the problem and and I quote if you enjoy the blessings but ignore the blesser you're practicing idolatry if you live for the Lord just so he can put some money in your bank account and make your car where it never breaks down and you enjoy those blessings you're worshiping the blessings but you're forgetting the one that gives them to you But it didn't say, the Bible didn't say, delight yourself in the blessings of the Lord. Because there are moments, Brother Harvey, that I don't have a visible blessing in my life at that moment. It said, you don't delight in the blessings. You delight in the blesser. Delight thyself in the Lord. One of my favorite verses that I am learning to live by is when uh, uh, Paul told 
one of the, the rulers that he stood in front, he said, I think myself happy. He was in a bad fix. He was under bonds. He was, he was in jail. He was in prison. But Paul said, my circumstances do not dictate my joy. But I can delight myself in the Lord. And when you have that privilege, oh, what a privilege it is. It means that in Jesus, you have all of the blessings and treasures that God has in store. And that if you will delight yourself in the Lord, what it means is the desire of my heart is to get to know Him more. And the more I know Him, the more I praise Him. And the more I praise Him, the better I feel. And I begin to realize that the promise I have in God is not for the tangible things that I can feel, but the promise that I have in God is that he's never left me nor forsaken me that yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death this promise is here I will fear no evil why because thou art with me see here's the thing circumstances don't dictate how I feel now every once in a while I fail in this and you can ask my wife she'll be honest with you there are moments in which the circumstances get the best of me there are moments in which I fume. There are moments in which I don't understand. But when I went into the presence of the Lord, but when I opened His Word, but when I knelt down and said, God, I am so torn and in turmoil, and I begin to pray, God begins to speak. And all of those turmoils go away. The circumstance didn't change, but the way I felt about that circumstance did. And the Lord's peace begins to get there and I delight myself in the Lord. That next one says to commit. Commit thy way. Verse 5, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him and He shall bring it to pass. We talked about trusting in the Lord. We've talked about delighting ourselves in the Lord. This one's a little tougher because this is where the rubber meets the road. See, in the Bible, faith and works walk hand in hand with each other. Faith is the belief that God can do it. Faith is, is saying, I have faith in the power and the presence of God. Faith is what the first verse of Psalm 73 said. Truly, God is good to those in Israel. That's faith. God's good to those. But the problem is, if all you think you have is faith and no works, then you have empty words. But when it comes to your situation, when it comes to your circumstance, you don't do anything with that. This is where I said a few weeks ago, there are some people that believe God is a healer. They just don't believe God can heal them. That's faith without works. But let me, let me help you out. The, that, that word, commit your way. That, that verb, commit, means to roll off your burden. Roll off your burden. Have you ever felt like the weight of life is a little too heavy for you to carry? Have you ever stumbled under the load that you were carrying? But what does the Bible say? Cast your cares on me, for I careth for you. I put that in the personal pronoun so you can understand it. Cast your cares on him, because he careth for you. Commit your way. Let me just tell you though, just putting your burdens, God doesn't want to take your burdens so you can be irresponsible and go live your life some way. He's not here just to pick up all your broken pieces so you can keep on making broken pieces. 
The reason God carries your burden is so that you can serve Him more. Are you, do you trust God enough to commit your way unto the Lord? I'm going to say that real slow so you can think about it. Do you trust God enough to give Him your life? To give, see, we, we talk about a sacrifice of praise and, and, and giving Him beauty, and we talk about, you know, God doesn't want an incomplete sacrifice. God doesn't want a broken sacrifice. Give God the first things. Don't give Him the leftovers, all of that. But one of the hardest sacrifices to give the Lord is the broken things of your life. That's not worship, but it's, it's committing. Am I willing to give Him everything about me? Am I willing for God to have access to my life, to the dark parts, to the bad parts? Am I willing to say, Lord, I commit my way into you. Lead and guide me. If you could learn to commit your way into the Lord, this next one will be easy. Rest. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not thyself because of Him who prospereth in His way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. That verb rest doesn't mean lazy sleep. It means to be still, to be silent. Psalm 62.5 says it's a calm surrender unto the Lord. This is a problem that all of us have. Silence. Some of you are really uncomfortable about this sermon because I'm not yelling and screaming and I'm not pounding on the, on the pulpit and I'm just kind of, it's one of those contemplative sermons and you're sitting there and some of you are really bothered by it. Some of you are so bothered you got your phone out and you're looking at it because you can't handle the silence. If I asked you right now, we're going to do 30 seconds of silence. More of you would cough in that time than you would ever cough all week long. I'm just being honest. Because as, 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 especially as Americans, we can't hardly tolerate silence. But one person said this, unless you learn to wait silently before God, you'll never experience His peace. The reason you don't have peace in your life is because you've not been quiet enough for God to speak into your life. See, my, my dad, and, and y'all know this, and, 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 and I'm, I'm thankful for it, and there's other people in this church that, that operate, but, but my dad is a licensed counselor. He's, he's finishing up his doctorate for, for, for counseling supervision. He is licensed to, to, to help people through those struggles. He's licensed to do that. But, but here's the thing. Right now, most of your counseling sessions are, are the, 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 the patient just blurting everything out for an hour to their therapist and never asking the therapist what I should do about it. I've sat in counseling sessions with people and I've watched them take their entire time to talk about their problems and then the, the little buzzer dings and they've, they've, they've gone through their whole appointment and they leave and nothing ever changes. 
in life if we're not careful. The way we pray and the way we talk to God is us pouring out everything on Him. And then when we've got it all off our chest, we say, thank you for your time, Lord. And we walk away and nothing ever changes. But can I tell you today that there is a peace that comes when you get into the presence of God. Cast your cares. Tell Him your problems. Talk to Him. But then be quiet and let that still, small voice of God speak to you. Let Him take some time. Let your mind calm down. Let your mind get quiet. And if you'll do that, things will work out. The next one says, depart. Depart from evil and do good. That one's self-explanatory. Let there be a change in your life. He that stole, steal no more. He that lie, lie no more. But verse 8, or, or I'm sorry, the eighth one. Wait. It's much like the word rest. By fact, it goes together, verse 7, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not thyself because of Him who prospereth in His way. Right there you have three of them together. If you'll learn to rest in the Lord and let that still small voice speak to you. If you'll learn to wait in His presence, to not get all crazy and, 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 and get impatient wait patiently for it and if you'll do that then you can begin to not fret and seethe all of that will begin to be quieted wait on the Lord and keep his way and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land when the wicked are cut off thou shalt see it some people never get to the blessing of God because they were too impatient when things were going on I've watched people give their, their time to the church, give their life to the church, and then leave right as God begins to work it out. Because they weren't patient enough to wait. The Bible says in Isaiah, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall walk and not be weary. They shall run and not faint. And then it says, so teach me, Lord, to wait. I want us to stand right now. I, Brother Frino let me use her Bible today. And I appreciate that. But I realize I'm not going to have this Bible. So I took a picture of that post-it note and I've saved it to where I see it. Because these, this, this, this breakdown of this chapter tells you and I how we can live. I want to tell you that you can trust the Lord. I want to tell you today that you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God understands your situation. Matthew chapter 6 verse 11 in the Lord's Prayer it has this verse and give us this day our daily bread this goes all the way back to the time of the Israelites when, when they were out in the wilderness and they didn't have a lot of food and so God said I'm going to bring manna 
And he said to, to them, he said, here's what's going to happen. Every morning that you wake up, you're going to walk out and there's going to be this bread on the ground. And I want you to collect enough of that bread or, or porridge, however you want to translate it. I want you to collect enough of that for your family for that day. Now on the weekend or the Sabbath, you'll be able to collect two days worth so you can have today and then you don't have to work on the Sabbath. He, he, he did that as well. But the, the idea was this. Will you trust me daily? Give us this day our daily bread. When I wake up tomorrow morning, I've got to learn to trust Him on a Monday the same way I trusted Him on a Sunday. When Tuesday rolls around, I wake up, Lord, give me this day my daily bread. Because, Lord, you understand what I'm going through today. You understood what I went through last week, but you understand what I'm going through today. And so I put my trust in you. And then I will tell you that the Lord knows exactly how to bless you for today you got to be willing to trust Him. I want us just to lift our hands for a moment. I, I know we've given you a list. I, I know it's a little different sermon than what I probably do on Sunday mornings, but I am convinced the Word of God has a way of kind of just drilling into that heart of yours. And I've watched as I begin to preach, I've watched God speak to you. And I want us just to lift our hands. Now here's what you pray. Lord, speak to me right now. I've heard your Word, but God, would you put it into my life? Would you put it into my circumstances? God, I'm going to give you praise in Jesus' name. Touching Jesus.